Okay, so let's start the recording. Okay, welcome to our community. This is Saratova Beth. So let's talk about the unique role of women. So we're, we're saying that um, here we are, and we're in the kind of times where it's amazing and it's terrible. As, as amazing as it is, that's as how terrible it is at the same time. It's not like you could say that what we're going to focus on is the uniqueness of the feminine way. The masculine way is it's either one thing or the other. You know, the famous joke that Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson tells, not a joke, you know, um, uh, a man and a woman sit down to talk, and she said, you know, um, the sink is all blocked, so we really need to get somebody to, to, to fix the sink. And he's thinking, sink, plumber, plumber, sink. And then, and he's still focused on that, and then she said, I, I don't like the teacher that our son has. I, I really think we have to speak to the principal and see if the, and he's thinking, teacher, teacher, wait, sink, sink. No, teacher, teacher. And then they go through about 10 different topics, and then they eventually come back to the sink. And he's completely confused because he's looking for just a straight, you know, one thing at a time, and 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 um, he, can't, he can't figure out what's going on. So, and she is used to, soon I'll read you the little article that I wrote about, about the straight versus the curved. So, so... She she can deal with two opposites at the same time because she's feminine and he's masculine. So he can deal with like, okay, uh, sink. And she can deal with sink, teacher, fish, weather, knowing, car, gasoline, you know, identity, experiences, feelings, relationships, all in the same five minutes. What's the problem? Right? And, and for us, it makes us, it's, it's, we, we do it and it's what we're good at. And for them, it's just, wait, one thing at a time. And I know somebody, I know a, a man that he'll first, you know, he'll only eat one thing on the plate. And then when he's finished, then he'll eat the next thing on the plate. <laughs> so it's interesting. That means that we have the ability to be able to maneuver life now in a way that it's a feminine energy that can move, maneuver life because it's amazing, but it's horrifying. So for the masculine energy in, in us and the whole world, we're lost. We're lost because it can't be two opposites at the same time. For the feminine part of us, what do you mean? That's what we're good at. So I, I'm, I'm guessing, I'm just I'm saying this off the top of my head. When we're struggling, and I, I definitely struggle a lot, like what is going on? But in a way, that means that I'm tapping into the more masculine um, energy in me, which says it's got to be one thing at a time, and I've got to figure it out. It's not, it's not that melange of creative opposites that create a tapestry that's incredible, right? You know, um, like, okay, here's not an example, but, for instance, the windows, the windows and whatever's around the windows is usually a different color, a different color from the walls. You know, the, the, the molding will be a different color from the mold, from the walls. Or why is the furniture not the same color as, as the walls? Contrast. So the contrast is the feminine energy. We live in a time of severe contrast. Can we maneuver it well? The, the feminine part in us can. Right? Do you agree? The masculine part in us that wants to understand, has to make sense, is lost. 
So, hey, I have a great idea. Let's dump the masculine part of uh, in us because it's not giving us any tools. I mean, right? I mean, maybe it gets us to do the job like, okay, one, two, three. I'm going to stand up out, out of the chair and I, let's see. I'm going to walk into the kitchen. I'm going to, you know, right? Sometimes when you don't have energy, you're like, just just do it. That's the masculine part of us that says like, okay, just stand up. Oh, I'm so tired. Just stand up. Go to the refrigerator. Okay. Boil some potatoes, you know, okay, I got it done. Good, that was the masculine part of me. But in order to understand life, the masculine energy in me is not going to understand life. So that's one thing. Okay, so let's let's go back a second. I don't remember if we talked about it last time, but if I didn't remember, probably nobody else remembers. Here we are, and we're standing at Mount Sinai, we're receiving the Tyra, and Hashem is doing this very feminine thing. He's revealing his essence in this physical world. So, how does the world take it? It's a very nurturing, when he's t- saying the Ten Commandments, it's a very warm, nurturing experience for the world. Is it? No. Right. And how do you know it wasn't a nice, warm, nurturing experience? Yeah. How did the world react? How did we react? Everybody died. Oh, that's pretty telling. <laughs> Everybody died either two times or ten times. Why? Because the revelation was so strong. Well, Hashem, couldn't you get it right? He knew He knew what he needs to do. But he essentially brought this incredible light, his very essence, down into a physical world, and he made the world crack. Because if I buy, I, I go to, I, I, I go to the, the, I go to the pet store, I buy a baby elephant, it's cute, I, they give me, they sell me a very expensive bathtub, and every day I give it a bath, but it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And at some, some point when I put the baby elephant in the bathtub, it cracks. So what should I do? Stop giving the, the elephant a, ba- a bath? What should I do? Right. Get a better bathtub. Not only a bigger one, if it's plastic, eventually I need to upgrade to stainless steel. Yeah. So when we stood at, at Mount Sinai receiving the Tyra, for whatever reason, Hashem wanted to infuse his, his, his essence without dumbing it down, without dumbing it down, for whatever his reasons are. Now, here's the question. In Mashiach's times, is he going to reveal himself again? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, great. It was tiring to die ten times then, not looking forward to it. So why is everybody singing We Want Mashiach now? <laughs> uh, okay, so how do you make yourself... Okay, so in other words, the world is the bathtub and the light is the elephant, so to speak. So maybe we're ready for it. Maybe this time when he reveals himself, we'll be open to it. We'll, be open to it. we'll be have a strong enough vessel. Obviously, otherwise, what was the point? 3,000 years of history for nothing? Okay. So then we obviously must have created a vessel in the world that is much stronger that will receive the light. Through adversity. Okay, good. Through adversity, right. So what were the things that we did that strengthened the vessel of the world? Right. Tyra. No. Mitzvahs, Tyra, mitzvahs. Um, Kiddush Hashem. Kiddush Hashem, lighting Shabbos, all those mitzvahs. Every single mitzvah strengthened the vessel of the world. Interesting thing, 
I think that Space Age Plastic, which is a revolutionary kind of a, a material, came into the world probably in the 50s, maybe in the 40s, right? Probably with World War II, maybe in the 1940s, probably the 1950s, when when the what's called the seventh generation, this generation began, Space Age Plastic came into the world. Now we have a material. Now we have something that can can kind of hold hold the light, hold the. So. So. That's that's the first concept, right? So now. And by the way, you know what? Here, let let wait. I want to say something off the. All right. So in this whole thing of, of, of everything we're saying, but of make, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> making the world a vessel so that when God comes and reveals himself, which he's doing now, but he will be fully revealed in Mashiach's time, um, this time it's going to nourish the world. This all comes through the feminine way. So the Lubavitcher Rebbe says that it is a woman who begins to usher in the last phase of ushering in the, the redemption, the Mashiach, specifically a woman. First, we're going to, secondly, we're going to say, um, what, what did she do? Uh, why specifically a woman? But, but let me just go into one sort of little bit cryptic thought for a second. Picture this. You want to, you want to, I don't remember if we've talked about any of these ideas again. We'll do a review. You want to inspire your children to take vitamins. They're like, they're uh, 17, you have a 17-year-old and you want him to take vitamins. He says, Ma, do me a favor, please. I, I really don't want to hear about you and your vitamins. <laughs> Everybody knows about that phase, you know. Okay. And then eventually he gets older and, and he stops. He, like, when you talk to him about vitamins, you know, you say it's flu season. Could you just take vitamin C? And it's funny. He stops saying, please, I, I really don't want to hear but at a certain point, he's older, and he's like, oh, okay, yeah, I hear you. He lets you talk. He's not necessarily, you know, but he lets you talk. What would be the third phase? What would be the most advanced phase of that? He's no longer blocking you. He's he's letting you talk. He's not necessarily running out and buying vitamin C every, you know, every week. But what what, but what would be the most advanced stage of that? Yeah, and he comes to you and says, you know, Ma, it's flu season. You should be taking vitamin C. Like, okay, thank you very much. Wow, amazing. I never thought of that. Thank you, sir. You know, like, right? He, oh, okay. Right, so they think like, right. Okay. Right. She's, she's in walking in sync with you as if she thought of it herself. And you're the student. Okay. Right. Right. So those three phases exist with the world. The world that all through history said, we're here to eat, drink, and be merry. You and your truth and God and all this business, do me, do us a favor, but if you talk about it, off with your head. The Romans, the Persians, the Greeks, they all said, if you talk about this stuff, not like your son who doesn't want to hear about vitamins, says, I will walk out if you talk talk to me about vitamin C. 
But the world, they didn't say, I will walk out. They said, I'll just chop off your head and all of your heads. That's Jewish history. They were always trying to chop off our heads, God forbid, because they didn't like our message. We got that one, right? We got that phase. The second phase would be when they said, all right, we're no longer, you know, we'll let you talk. And the third phase would be when they say, you know, there's something called truth and God and a plan and essence and divinity and the universe and all this other stuff. And, you know, you, you, you people really should hear it from us. You know, like, oh, thank you very much. That phase, that's the final phase, right? That phase began with the passing of Rebbe Zimchai Mushka. 1988, Okay. We didn't yet get to the, the question of why a woman. But, so here, here, now each of those three phases has a... Um, 1988. No, English date. No, you have to Google it. Ask Siri. Um, so the, now, those three phases have numbers. The number is 10, 11, and 22. Code numbers. Now why? So remember, we're, we're mixing a few concepts, but remember, there we were receiving the Tyra. The world, if you're going to give the world a number, remember, look at how many fingers you have and how many toes you have. Give, let's take a wild guess. What would be a number that you could say the world has, has this number? Right, 10. 10 fingers, 10 toes, decimal system, right? Good. Now, let's give a number to the essence of God and the essence of truth. You think that's going to be 10? We have three choices, 10, 11, and 22. What do you think the essence of God will be? No, but 10 is, remember, 10 is physical world, the, the vessel. The light is going to have a different number. Something higher than the physical world. It's 11. It's 11. It's 11. Now, by the way, 22 will be 11 and 11, two different types of 11 meetings. Okay, so throughout all of history, we have the world saying, we do not want to hear about God or truth or Judaism or any of that stuff. And otherwise, you know, leave our leave our country. We expel you. It's the, the Spanish Inquisition. Leave or else. Right. You, Sorry. Yeah. During the times that the Jews have been kicked out of everywhere. Yeah. Are, right. They, were they always trying to, or they were just trying to live and be? We just wanted to be left alone. To make everybody Jewish, or think about the way they think. So my very first year in 1980 was Rabbi, my, my very first class, Torah class, 1980, I remember Rabbi Shaykhut, Allah he, he asked the following questions. He said, question, he asked, why do you think that they hated us all through history? He said, remember, it's like, the springtime, there's a certain holiday, non-Jewish holiday going on, and we're walking down the street, and we're on our way to buy cucumbers at the store. Why do they care? We're not talking to them. We're not bothering them. Because he said, they know that we know that who they say is the Messiah is not. And therefore, they always knew that a Jew does not buy in to our beliefs. And so we hate them because 
that means there's something about a Jew that they seem to know truth, and if they don't agree with us, then that maybe means that everything we've built our, our whole our whole history on and our lives on is maybe not true. That's not something comfortable. We'd rather get rid of. It's called don't shoot the messenger. We'd rather shoot the messenger. Now, it doesn't mean that the Jew is saying anything. He's simply on his way to the store. But we know that if we say, hey, you, you know, bow down, you know, bow down to the Salem, et cetera, et cetera, do this, you know, the Jew will probably say no. That means he's undermining the, the solidity of the, of the philosophy, if I'm not Jewish, of my religious philosophy. I can't deal with that. Right? And so all through history, they couldn't deal with that. That's what he said. I'm just saying that. I quoted Rabbi Shepard. So it was an interesting idea, right? My first class, very interesting idea. Now, remember, they come from a world, you're talking about them living in a world of 10. What you see is what is. What is there here? There, what do you mean? There are carrots and there, you know, and there's all kinds of food and there are dips and there's bread and that's it. Is there anything deeper? Is there anything more profound going on in this room? No. You know, it's kind of like the male energy. Like you say to a boy, so what was going on at the class? They're like, nothing. They were eating. So what'd they have? You know, I don't know, some pretzels, you know, a few fruits. I don't know, I think they had some tea. And then you ask, and let's say, and his sister was at the same the same thing. Yeah, so what was going on? She said, oh, yeah. Wow, they were talking about the depth of truth and relationships. And he's like, oh, I didn't hear any of that stuff. Right? He's like, whatever you see is. The boy called home from, from yeshiva. Like, hi. I'm going to say, like, so how's it in yeshiva? Okay. So uh, how's your room? Good. Who's in your room? I don't know. Guys. How many? Three. Okay. Is it comfortable? Yeah. Uh, Anything else? No. Okay. Bye. Right. That's it. There wasn't. And she's like, yeah, it's unbelievable. You know, there's this other girl. She's sleeping on the bunk bed. And like, I'll tell you the truth. I was thinking that she was really feeling this about the fact that I put my stuff over there. But I don't know if she really felt like that. And I, you know, she's got a whole other world going on. And he's like, whatever you see with your eyes, that's all there is. He's living in the world of ten. What do you see on the table? Nothing. You know, she like the there's a he says, I see great. Do you see the essence of God? What? The essence of God. Hello, honey, it's great. I don't see no essence of God. Right, that's most teenage. But the but the masculine energy is like, I see great. And the feminine energy is but I see the essence of truth in the grapes. So, so, so the world lived in that energy of ten. Like, hello, we're in a world of ten. And they said, and you people, you Jews, you're from the world of eleven. You come here with your truth and God and the essence of God. This is number eleven. Eleven doesn't fit in our world. Please leave. This is Spain, 1492. You people with your 11 energy, please leave. This is a world of 10. So they always, you know, if we didn't leave politely, they sent us out impolitely. Okay. No. Okay. No, I was just thinking about if I was there. How about the school? Well, you messed it up, you know? 
so we're we're the world is kind of a tennis world, and you know it's a regular world, like yeah, you know there's stuff here, you know, and we're and we're the eleven people who are always thinking about God and the essence of God and the essence of truth, and you know now that I'm thinking about this whole thing with Instagram, you know, and whatever going on Instagram is like, wait a minute, um, am I representing myself in a way that I'll be proud according to? what God wants of me, because otherwise, what's the point of selling my soul, you know, just to give into the, the rules of the, of the world. So, this thing of 10, um, it ended. We had some 3,000 years of the world saying, you people of 11, you don't belong in this world. That ended on the 10th day of Shvat 5710. Right, 1950. The previous, the Rebbe, the previous Rebbe, and the Rebbe said, we spent 3,000 years basically um, with the world saying, we don't want you here because this is a regular world, and that that came to an end on the 10th day because of 10, on the 5710, 1950, right? 1950. Once, so so now you that ended. The next day began what's called the 11. Now the essence of God starts to kind of be poured into the world. That's our generation, in which you can go out on the street and say, excuse me, are you Jewish? And you don't go to jail. They may tell you you're weird or stop proselytizing or whatever. Well, these days they're happy. But the world changed drastically. And the third phase would be when the world says, you know, there's something called like divinity and truth and universal, you know, and all this as if they invented it themselves. That would be like 11 from above, our message, 11 from God, and 11, the world is also being 11-ish. If you add together 11 and 11, 22. So that, so that begins, that begins to usher in a world in which the world starts to walk in sync with what Cyrus saying. Now, it definitely looks like we backtracked. It looks like it. Because now, you know, from the river to the sea doesn't sound too Torah-friendly. Whatever that's about, whatever that's about, there, there's a lot to say about that. You know, we will yet find out. But we never backtrack. We move, we move forward in a way that it looks like we're backtracking. So, um... Okay, so now we know why it's a woman who's going to usher, it's the feminine energy that's going to usher in the redemption. And get the world, if the world, we're saying that the world said, this is the way life is. It's very basic. We're not interested in truth and we're not interested in God. And if you have anything to say about God, please leave. And somehow our job is to convince it and to, to get the world in our own interesting creative way to say, all we want is God. Maimonides say, says, I'll say it in Hebrew, The entire world will want nothing else other than to know God. We're talking about every cashier in Walmart, every gas station attendant will want, this is, this is, a, this is Maimonides tells us, he knows what he's talking about. All they will want is to know truth. Guess who their teachers are? You. You. Whatever you know, 
they're going to say, uh, I just want to ask you a question, you know. So I don't know, like, how much is the gas? No, but could I ask you a question? They're going to ask you a question. They will want to know truth. And they know. They say, excuse me, are you Jewish? Yeah. So they are like, okay, here's the person of truth. They know that you represent number 11 truth, godliness. The thing that they never wanted before, all of a sudden you become the best commodity around. They're not interested in anybody else pulling up for gasoline because you know truth. You always knew truth. Now, um, the fact that uh, they gave your great-grandparents a little bit of a hard time, to put it mildly, uh, surely there will be compensation for that. But the fact is, they will suddenly say, wow, you're amazing. You know truth. Uh, yeah, we always knew truth, like, uh, you know. So whatever is going to shift, but we're the people of the truth. And within, so the whole, the whole thing will switch to the feminine way, which is, you know, truth is all about, you know, women are all about relationships, right? So how do you feel about the hummus? Well, I feel, I feel this, you know, like, I don't know, hummus, like what? Right? How do you feel about it? We're all about relationships. So guess what we're going to have in Mashiach time? A relationship with God. So anybody who has that, that understanding of relationship will be the teacher. We've always been the, like the, the, the Kala, the bride of Hashem having this relationship with Hashem. And in fact, our relationship with Hashem was that people said, give up your relationship with God or else, or else we'll, we'll shoot you. And we usually said, so shoot. Well, that's quite a relationship. Don't you feel it's worth it to save your own life? Only if you're not Jewish. If you're Jewish, somehow it's not worth it. Isn't that interesting? In other words, we don't necessarily plan it, but we all know that the guy who on Yom Kippur is, is, is eating, you know, a cheeseburger, driving down, you know, driving down the street with, you know, playing loud music on Yom Kippur, and he's very comfortable with it. And he, he's, he's not like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this, it's Yom Kippur. He's like, this is who I am. If somehow, God forbid, somebody stops him and pulls out a pulls out a rifle or whatever and says, you know, whatever, do this and whatever, everybody has a different, you know, bow down or 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 sometimes people will say, okay, I'll bow down. Disconnect yourself from Melach Malchem Lachem Akadosh Baruch Every Jew will come to a point where he'll say, they say, or else I kill you. He'll say, so okay, so. You got to shoot. You got to shoot. We just heard last night um, an amazing story. Yeah. Even if you're not practicing Yom Kippur. Okay. So what our question is is why is it a woman? Now we get it. So so the ten phases. The the world is saying we're not interested in hearing about God. Get out of here. All of you people, the the next phase is the world is tolerating from 1950 on. The world is tolerating. There's only there was only one country left in the entire excuse me the entire world where it was forbidden to do mitzvahs. Everywhere else you could, and that one fell too. The Iron Curtain fell. Russia fell in 1990. 
And so there really are no more places left in the world where it's, um, where Jew can practice. They may not like Jews, but you're allowed to practice mitzvahs. On the contrary, the most fun videos we see are where they have those demonstrations from the river to the sea. And, and the guys always manage to come with a tillin stand and stand right in front of them and, and like, hey, you want to put on tillin and do it in front of it? So, you know, and the police watch and they're like, wow, this is interesting. You know, so it's very different now. But then the last phase, as we said, where the world says, you know, about, about truth in God, that last phase begins to be uncertain by women. Kindela. So, so why a woman? Very simple. It says the three things expand the das, the under, the deep understanding of a man. Beautiful wife, beautiful furniture, beautiful work, beautiful home. But expand, expand. One sec. Let's just wait, wait. So we focus for a second. So three things expand, it says in, in Tyra, three things expand the da'as of a man, the ability for a man to have deep, you know, deep knowledge. Beautiful, beautiful wife or beautiful woman, beautiful furniture, beautiful home. Okay. And that's why, by the way, I shouldn't say it on the recording, sometimes you'll see these great scholars, these men, and they're always mesmerized by the garbage truck. Ever see that? I have. Like, what is, there's obviously something amazing that they see, you know, or construction work. You know, men will look at construction work and then they can think much better. Anyway, so, so, that also refers to Hashem. That God, as the man, he wants, the beautiful wife is the Jewish people. He wants us beautiful. The beautiful, beautiful furniture and beautiful home are the misses we do. And and the home that he wants down in this world is not a basic home. When he wants ultimately for this world to be a home for him, he definitely does not pick the male architect or the male decorator because he's going to make it very basic, you know, utilitarian. You have a couple of chairs, you have a table, utilitarian. He's not going to come with a frilly curtain. She's going to come with a frilly curtain. And she's going to, you know, it's got to be cozy and warm and this and that and, and all of that stuff. She's going to come with a frilly curtain. Hashem says, this time, when I want the world to become my home and I'm fully manifest in this home, it's got to be frilly. Forget about the guys. They're going to do the basic home. I want the frilly home. Which means that, right, so our beauty is our mitzvahs, our devotion. Our mitzvahs, our devotion our way that we do things, our feeling for, you know, it's all about the relationship with God and the relationship with truth and all of that. Um, that, uh, <laughs> that's what, there we go. <laughs> that, that's, that's what he wants. And he's saying, I will be more expansive if you do it that way. I'm not looking. We didn't spend 3,300 and something years for me to kind of torture you guys, the Jewish people, you ladies, to come to the to come to the same basic home that I had to begin with. I want this home to be frilly, lacy, cute, etc. So he picks us. He said it's only go- it's going to be the women and it's going to be the feminine energy that builds that home for me. So now we understand. Does that make sense, right? Right. So then. 
it has to be the women who usher it in. And it has to be, we can understand, has to be of, in Malchus, of the Nasi Adar, the leader of the generation of the Melech, it's got to be the Malka, the queen of the king. So it's the Rebison of the Rebbe, essentially, who, who ends up that a phase in her life and, and as the daughter of the previous Rebbe. Because as the Rebbe says, the whole Avaita is connected to the, the, the whole way, the whole way that the previous Rebbe has brought the world to a certain point. She is the daughter of the previous, previous Rebbe. She's also the wife of the Rebbe. She's in the unique position to, and by the way, also, remember, the previous Rebbe represents all of Jewish history all the way back to the beginning of time, which was is a, a, a period of history that is very painful. Holocaust, pogroms, uh, crusades, uh, uh, inquisition, plus plus. That's called painful. Painful history. Our past is very painful. Our future is very amazingly beautiful. It hasn't happened yet, but we're on the way. We're on the way. Who's going to be the, the, the pin that hinges the past, the painful past, to the incredibly beautiful, expansive future? Obviously, it's going to be a woman. So the interesting thing is the Rebison Chaim Mushka is the one who's the daughter of the previous Rebbe. His whole, his whole service ended that whole approach of the painful part of history. He went through Stalinist time, Holocaust, uh, all, all of the worst stuff. Her father. So he really, her father, the previous Rebbe, and he really represents in a way um, the worst of Jewish history, the most painful part of Jewish history. And the most masculine, and the most masculine. And yet she's the wife of the Rebbe, who says the last, you know, the last generation of Gullus becomes the first of Geula. The Rebbe represents the future. You even see it in the Rebbe's approach. Everything's very upbeat and positive, and, and it's a whole different approach. Hence, you see in the world, everything's about, let's be positive and think good, it'll be good, and all of that stuff that the world has embraced. So she is the wife of the Rebbe, the future, the glorious, incredible, eternal, expansive, delicious future that we're looking forward to of Mashiach time, and the horrible, painful, rich, but very painful past represented by the previous Rebbe going all the way back to Avram Avinu. And she's right there as a hinge pin. She's right there between the two. So you could say that the whole transformation of the Gullus to Geula, the painful past to the beautiful future, is hinging on, Re on Rebetzin Chayimushka. See that? Which, I don't want to throw too many ideas in, but if you've ever had one of the, I had such a laptop, that if it gets unplugged, you lose all the memory. I did have, you know, it, it had no battery. So if somehow someone bumped into it and pulled out of the, everything you had been working on on that laptop, it got pulled out of the wall, it got unplugged, you lost all the memory. One of the things about, about what the Rebbe is, has insisted on and does all kinds of things to make sure it happens is that we lose no memory from the past. Everything that we achieved with unspeakable pain will then be 
transformed into the glory of the of of Mashiach times. So you can imagine, according to how horrible it was then, times a million, nothing's lost. We don't lose any data from the past. We use it all to turn it into the beauty of the future. But who's right there on the border? Rebetzin Chaim Mushka. So we understand that Chafesh Fad is a massive, massive moment in history that's transitioning all of the, all of the painful past to the glorious future. So let one, one last thing we're going to focus on, the, the name Chaya Mushka. So we have five levels of the soul. Nefesh Ruch Neshama, Chayim Yechida. Part of our soul is in our body. That's how you stay alive. You know, when people leave the world, their soul leaves their body. Everybody agrees with that. So the three parts that are in the body, Nefesh Ruch Neshama, enables us to breathe and all the functions stay alive. And then there are two parts of the soul called Chayim Yechida that are above the body that enable us to give our lives al Kiddush Hashem. doesn't keep us basically alive. It's the higher stuff. Give our lives al Kiddush Hashem. When, when, when people would say, Shema Yisrael, the people of the Nova Festival or anything, they went al Kiddush Hashem. Or when people say, Shema Yisrael Hashem, Elokeinu Hashem Achad, and they refuse to bow down and they leave the world, because they want to remain close to God, they they did it from those two higher parts of their soul. So those two high, higher parts of your soul, Chayim Yechida, they're the part of you that has a much deeper vision. It's a it's a it's a much more expansive sense of you than you know what you're doing in everyday life. Everybody has it. So if you could take so those two higher parts are very beautiful, devoted, true, expansive, visionary, you name it. If you could take that and merge it, by the way, what what number do you think those two higher parts of the soul have? You have two choices, 11 or 10. 11, right? And, and the part of the soul in the body, remember 10 fingers, 10 toes, in the body, what number would that have? 11 or 10? 10. So that means, remember, we said when we received the Torah, oh, the essence of God was coming down into the world. Eleven was coming down into ten. You have your own eleven into ten. That's the higher part of your soul with the lower part of your soul. That is the merging of eleven into ten. What is the name that would go on that those higher parts of the soul? Mushka. Mushka. Chaya denotes the part of the soul in the body. And mushka denotes the part of the soul above the body that hovers above. Right, right, right. Good. Chaya is an animal, and mushka is like musk. It's one of the eleven ingredients, eleven of the katiris of the, however, the incense that they used in the, in the holy temple, and is actually from an animal, musk. Right, which and so it's a scent, and a scent is kind of you know you open perfume and it kind of flies away. You can't hold on to it. It flies away. That's the part of your soul that's kind of always trying to fly away and it just wants to just merge with God and truth. So the name Mushka and Chaya brings the merging of those two parts of your soul and those two realities, 11 into 10, it brings the two together. It takes 
what we were, what happened when we were at the tire, which was 11 was coming into 10, but it didn't work too well. It was a little rough into a much gentler feminine form of 11 with 10. Mushka merging with Chaya. So therefore the Rebbitson's name, she is doing that. She is bringing the giving of the Tyra into a much more integrated, rounded, beautiful, feminine way to make a beautiful feminine home for Hashem. She is doing 11 into 10. You have to be a woman to do that. And the name Mushka, Mushka, Mushka Chaya, it makes, it, 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 well, if you watch my video, making the world into a cozy world. You know, that feminine world where the woman says, like, we have, you know, it has to be a cozy, cozy trip. We can't just have a trip. It has to be a cozy home. It can't just be a home. So that's also, that's why people name their children Chaim Mushka. And, and on some level, we could say that we're all connected to represent Chaim Mushka. And even if our names aren't Chaim Mushka, on some level, it's a general name. At this, We have a bunch of names. Sarah, like, what's your name? Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, Leah. You know, all of the Imahos are our name on a more genetic scenario. Miriam, Esther, and now Chayamushka. And they each do a different thing. And the Chayamushka part of every one of us is merging realities that are very beautiful and ethereal and very futuristic with something very basic. Like, anybody have another fork? My fork doesn't work. That. And that's our talent. Women can do it. We can merge beauty with forks, with tuna fish, with cups. So on this day, and the last thing is the Rebbe says, on this day, through this day, in this day, with this day, from this day, all Yidin, all Jewish people are blessed in everything, in for all times, in every single thing, through this day, which is starting tonight, so may Hashem bench us and give us the ability to be the one to stand with Rebbe Sunchai Mushka on the, on the threshold and bring us to the Gula Mitzvah Shleimah. Okay.